This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. <laughs> pregnant pause. Not pregnant, and, though. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, not a baby, and <laughs> eat it all, and you can't have any. Yeah, babies are delicious, though. I mean, to be clear. Oh yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you know my 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 uh, babies are delicious song. Do I? Everybody's got a baby but me. Babies are delicious, as you can see. I could eat one or two or three. And then I, <laughs> and the, I, I like make up the last. One. I, I forgot the last. Oh <laughs> like, man! I think I make it up every time. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, hey, it's spilled milk. Here we are again. Yes, this is how today, the intro goes. We're talking about sweet cherries. That's right, as opposed to sour cherries, which we did recently. Mm-hmm. Let's let's see when was I'm that? I'm not sure how recent that was, Matthew. I don't know. It's probably pretty recent. Uh, episode sixteen. Like six hundred, five hundred fifty episodes ago. Oh no, more than that. Yeah, uh, July eighth, twenty ten. It was five hundred ninety two episodes ago. There we go. Perfect. Okay, so definitely go back and listen to that episode. I bet it's great. Okay, so today's episode was suggested by listener Dana and listener Tired Rundown Listless on Reddit. Ooh, which which is not me, but I am also those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Because um, I, uh, I, I just had COVID for the first time, and I highly recommend it. Uh, I didn't re- wait. I didn't realize it was your first time. I thought it was oh, your second time. No, first time. Oh. Yeah. Um, so we're we're taping remotely today. Yeah. In in part also because I have limited childcare today and everybody is so interested That's in right. all the ins and outs yeah. of that. You know, yeah. the, the the one upside was I I made a ton of progress on Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So mm. maybe maybe we'll do a new segment about that. Okay, cool. Cool. So, yeah, today we're talking about sweet cherries. So this is to say I think the cherries that most of the world is familiar with eating like out of hand or it's the that like the thing. cherries that you see on a slot machine, <laughs> right? I mean, I think uh, this you, is my have favorite. Have you ever tasted the cherries on a slot machine? Oh yeah! Every time I go to the casino, I am licking that slot slot screen. <laughs> Lick, wow. <laughs> 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 oh 
man. Molly's face. <laughs> Which is it. She she realized before me like the 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 crevice that I was falling into. <laughs> I sure did. Okay, here we go. So, uh, Matthew, do you have a, a memory lane? You grew up in the Pacific Northwest, which is a good place for growing cherries. Yeah. So so right. So we had a cherry orchard, like uh, like our neighbor, na- our neighbor um, Chekhov. Is that who had a cherry orchard? <laughs> is that right? Or George Washington? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. confuse George Washington and Chekhov a play, a play all the by time. Anton Chekhov. I make I make highbrow literary jokes exclusively. I have only read The Lady with the Dog. I've never read anything by Chekhov. I just oh. know that like he puts a gun on your mantle and then he shoots you later. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he was America's first president. That's right. Um, that's right. <laughs> so okay, so yes, I remember eating Bing cherries. Wait a minute, uh, hold up. on. What was the Chekhov thing? Did Chekhov have he a wrote, short story he, called The Cherry Orchard? I or think something? it was a play. Okay. Uh, I googled it, but then I closed the tab, so we're, we'll never know. <laughs> but All right, go on. It may pop back up in Act okay. Three. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I don't. So, so, okay. I'm going to level with you up front. Like, I don't like cherries that much. Like, I love sour cherries. If there's a, like some sweet cherries sitting around and people are snacking on them, I will snack on them. Also, I don't hate them. I just never get a craving for them. Even like when rainier cherry season rolls around, I'm not one of these people who's like, got to get my hands on those, on those sweet, sweet pairs of, of droops. So, so when you, for instance, walk into your local supermarket and they've got like bags and bags of beautiful local fresh cherries right out on display by the door, what do you do? You just walk on by? <laughs> I run in the other direction as fast as I can. <laughs> okay. No, I, yeah, I just, I just like whistle on by. Wow. How carefree. What is it like to just not care about cherries? Uh, you know, honestly, I I don't care about anything at the at the supermarket. I have I have uh, like uh, transcended. Uh, transcend exact. That's the word I was looking for. I was trying to send it food, and I and I just like whistle through the whole place. Like I just smell things now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my when I had COVID, my sense of smell got real messed up for for a few days, and that was not fun. It was diminished, but also like weird. Wow, that's so interesting. I've only ever had a diminished sense of smell, like from a cold or something. And it's yeah, amazing. Which is bad how, enough. It's amazing how demoralizing it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, so, so like I did eat cherries growing up, and I think they were probably pretty decent Northwest cherries, but uh, I don't, I don't have a lot of cherry memory lane. How about you? I think that as a I kid. I was really into slot machines <laughs> for a period as a kid. This is true. <laughs> As a kid, I think that I associated cherries with like cough syrup and with like gloopy pie filling from a can. Remember how I didn't get, we did that cough syrup episode and I didn't get cherry and you've never been more upset with me? Uh, Justifiably so. I was more upset with you that time you cut watermelon in a completely... absolutely <laughs> nonsensical way that that's true like that when, was upsetting when i when i like show up at the pearly <laughs> gates and they're like going through my my like you know uh pros and cons list like that is the thing that's going to keep me out of heaven it's true it's true they're going to be like you cut watermelon so that no one with a human face could eat it yeah <laughs> because it was it would have like wrapped around my face i would have had to wear it like as like a, a neck pillow in order to eat it it was so yeah wrong. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you had to you had to like go for physical therapy after trying to eat this watermelon. Yeah, no, I'm gonna show up there and and like you know, uh, like like Charles Manson is gonna be in line next to me, and I'm like like this this guy's worse like than me, right? They're like, through. no, 
No, the watermelon thing is worse than anything he did. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, hang on. So, yeah, that and you're not buying cherry cough syrup. Right. So, um, anyway. So, all of my offenses are fruit related. This is true. I'm sure you have some other offenses. You're very offensive. Remember, remember the other the time I ate grapefruit in like a lascivious way that, that really grossed you out? I don't remember that. I'm pretty did sure you, this happened you, on the grapefruit did episode. Did you put your tongue in the slot? I think I put my tongue in the slot. Yeah. Like, so really all of my offenses are fruit related. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Matthew, uh, back to what I was saying. Please. So, yeah, I think I was uh, like kind of anti-cherry. Like I would never have chosen something with cherries in it as a kid because all the cherry I knew of was like cherry flavored stuff or like cherry. I loved like cherry flavored Jolly Ranchers. I like cherry flavored Jolly Ranchers. I like cherry flavored jelly beans. But I mean, let's let's really think this through here. Like the difference okay, between let's... cherry flavored cough syrup and a cherry like jelly belly jelly bean, they don't even compare. Which one's better? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Why are we as, making this comparison? I'm confused. Uh, well, because I, I, I think that I like Cherry jelly beans and like yeah. cherry jolly ranchers, more than anything, I think they taste red. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right? Like Oreos <laughs> I'm, taste I'm, brown. I'm laughing because when you said cherry jelly beans and cherry jolly ranchers, I imagine there's a product <laughs> called Jolly Beans. And I don't know what it is, but I want it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's probably a strain of marijuana. Yeah, yeah. Don't you think? Or it's, jelly or it's beans. Like a thing like a young child would say when they met jelly beans. Like, Mommy, can I have some Jolly Beans? It's like June used to call Dewdrops Doom Drops. <laughs> that's so good. I loved it. Is there anything in the world that's better than, than like stupid stuff a kid says? It's no, the best thing. Okay. There is not. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm due for a good cry. Oh, good. Okay. It's that time of the show. All right. I'll pick up and, and I'll tell your memory. <laughs> No, I got this. I got this. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to move on from the candy thing. Yeah, so do they have fresh (laughs) cherries in Oklahoma City? Not that I recall growing up. I mean, there weren't really – I was not aware of farmer's markets in Oklahoma City growing up. And when there was one, it was like a big deal. And you better believe Mo Weisenberg was there on Mm -hmm. like opening day. Oh, yes. Otherwise, we (laughs) were buying all our groceries at Safeway, which then became Homeland. Right. Oh, uh, don't forget about Skaggs Alpha Beta, though. What about that, Crescent Market? It seems like Crescent oh, Market Crescent would have, Market. Would have no, cherries. No, Crescent Market, it didn't have – no, it wouldn't have had cherries. Okay. I mean, okay, what I'm trying to say is I really don't think I ate fresh cherries until I was, like, in my, my teens. Okay. And then did they blow your mind? I think that maybe the first time I encountered them wasn't even in Oklahoma. But I do remember liking them immediately in part because they were nothing like cherry cough syrup or cherry pie flavoring. True. Or filling. And then I remember, so when I was in my teens and going to like horse shows in Colorado and New Mexico in the summertime, my mom would often be the parent who would like drive with me like the eight or 12 hours to get to wherever we were going. And I remember like packing coolers with my mom of like food that we would eat on the road. And I remember like there was some place where we stopped and bought cherries or something. And mom told me about, you can totally picture this 
Mm-hmm. from Tony Negroni. When she was like in her mid-20s or something, she drove across country or at least from Oklahoma to San Francisco. It was just her and her dog. Maybe she oh, drove wow. then again it from San Francisco back to Oklahoma. Her name was Nicole. Again, I only make highbrow literary jokes. <laughs> and mom recounts fondly this road trip with her dog and she was wearing cutoffs and she was wearing cutoffs (laughs) no mom was wearing cutoffs (laughs) and she would have like her left leg like up and sort of like hanging out the window you know and she would spit cherry pits out the window that is so cool right however so like so dangerous they're gonna have a lot to say about this when she gets to heaven (laughs) It's true. It's true. Like her. Anyway, what but, are her other fruit offenses? But yes, yeah, so she taught me how to spit cherry pits, and I'm quite proud to say that she has also taught June how to spit cherry pits. That's great. So she, so so when you were June, driving like, to to a horse show with your mom, you would spit things out the window. Yeah, I do think okay, we would cool. spit cherry pits out the window, both of us. But anyway, isn't that pretty great? I mean, I never did a I, I never did a road trip like that, like alone with my dog, just with your dog and your leg and my leg. <laughs> <laughs> I now I did a road trip with my two legs. Okay. But with uh, with other people too. <laughs> with there there were like like several several pairs of legs. In fact, you and I got to know each other on a road trip where That's we brought, true. Were like, we each like, brought both of our legs and instead of cherries we had corn nuts and uh Cool Ranch Doritos, yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. I just thought of another piece of cherry memory lane, but this is from last month. Does that count? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, I lied. It's actually from earlier this month. Uh as you know, we're members of a pie club. Yeah. I am bragging. So once a month, we get a pie delivered from uh, Pie Bird Bake Shop in Seattle. And Mm -hmm. the pie this month was sweet cherry and apricot. And Mm. uh, the pie maker was like, I know it's supposed to be sour cherries in a pie. Like, you're probably skeptical of this. Uh, I don't I don't know if she actually said that (laughs) in the in the note that came with the pie. But I was skeptical of it. And it was really good. Hmm. Do you like cherry pie as a, as a, a general principle? I do. If it's if it's good, which it usually isn't, but yes. <laughs> I I don't like it ever. And I've even had ones Is it because of the gloop? I've even had ones that other people said were good, like exceptionally good, and, and I was like, Bleh. No, I think I don't really like the flavor of cooked cherries very much. Okay. Yeah, no, okay. I really like a cooked a cooked sour cherry, and I like this cooked sweet cherry pie. Now, that is kind of the worst, though, when someone says, like, well, I, you know, maybe you don't like Brussels sprouts, but you're going to like my Brussels sprouts. And then you're like, still don't like Still them. Brussels sprouts. Yeah, I love Brussels okay. sprouts, to be to be clear. Me too. I don't know why you used Brussels sprouts as I don't an know. example. Okay, so Matthew, I, uh, as you know, I did the research for this episode. Oh, yeah, and, and I'm for excited. once, I used more sources than Wikipedia. All right. Where did you go? Did you go to like an agricultural research station? I did not, but I will be mentioning some agricultural research stations. I used two books that I think I will probably have on my shelf forever. One is Nigel Slater's Ripe. Yeah. And the other is Abra Barron's third book called Pulp. Abra Barron's is a Midwestern chef. Um, her first book was called Roughage. Her second book is called Grist, I think. Yeah, that's right. Why am I right. messing this up? And then her most recent book is Pulp. And this one's about fruit. This one maybe has the, to be perfectly honest, I think the recipes in this one are more complicated than I'm interested in doing when I'm cooking with fruit sure. or baking with fruit. But I use roughage in particular all the time. I really like that book. Yeah, you were absolutely right, by the way. Roughage, then grist, then pulp. 
Oh, great. Awesome. Anyway, also Abra my three favorite is... Britpop bands. <laughs> great. Abra is fantastic. I highly re- recommend checking these books out, not only because uh, Abra is an incredible cook and chef, but also they're visually beautiful. And also, I really like her politics. Okay. Um, she profiles farmers and people involved in agriculture in the Midwest. And you can learn a tremendous amount about like how hard and how important farming is. Okay. I have not read any of her books, but I am uh, putting a hold on Roughage right now, and it should be in for me at the library very soon. Excellent. Excellent. I highly recommend The Cream Braised Leeks in Roughage. Okay. The other book I used, oh, I think I already mentioned it, was Nigel Slater's Ripe. Yeah. Anyway. I don't have any Nigel Slater on my shelf, I don't think, but every time I go to your house, I pull down a Nigel Slater book and get enveloped in it. They're just delightful. Like, I don't reach for them for cooking purposes. Not even, I I own Real Fast Food, uh, which is, I think, his most, like, sort of uh, everyday cooking, user-friendly cookbook. I don't love how he writes recipes, I'll be Mm -hmm. honest, but I find him an incredible companion in the game. Yeah, kitchen. exactly. Anyway, so one thing I want to say before we start out is we're going to be talking a lot about cherries, um, like cherries that were developed in the Pacific Northwest, like in BC okay. in particular. However, I learned from Abra's book that Michigan is a huge cherry producing state. Yeah, I think I knew that, you know, from our recent sour cherry episode. Yeah, because they grow, I think, like three times as many sour cherries as sweet. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that. When I imagine sour cherries growing, even though I have literally picked them off a tree, I imagine them growing in bogs because I confuse them with cranberries. Really? Yeah. That's so cute. Well, they are. They're 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 tree cranberries. They're tree cranberries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So sweet cherries are, they're prunus- Avium. Avium? Would you I do like the avium. pronunciation of the- Prunus avium. I like it. Okay. Whereas sour cherries are- Prunus cerasus. All right. So I didn't know this, but sweet cherries are also often called wild cherries. Um, they are thought oh. to be one of the parent species of Prunus cerasus, which is the sour cherry. Okay. So sour cherries are thought to have been developed from sweet cherry crossed with a some sort of dwarf cherry. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. And also, I don't think I knew that sweet cherries were wild cherries, but that makes sense because like wild cherry Pepsi- Tastes like sweet yeah, cherries. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, so- the other day, I want. I needed a treat, and I, I was like hot. I was at Safeway. I was like, I want a bottle of cherry Coke. And yes. I got a bottle of cherry Coke, and it was so satisfying. Uh, did you have it? I feel like the, the peak experience is to have it like with crushed ice. So I had a cherry Coke when we went to see Fast X. Do you remember? Yes. But it like the blend wasn't quite right. It was like Mm. a little too much cherry flavor. It was from a freestyle Coke machine. But I think the way to go is to have a bottle cherry Coke and pour it over a cup of crushed ice. So I poured it over like chunky ice, not crushed ice, but it was still (sighs) very good. Okay. Would you, would you like crush your own ice for this? No, no. But like if you were, I don't know, if you were in uh, like a 7-Eleven or something, couldn't you probably get a cup of crushed ice from their fountain? Oh, yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, I crush so- mine with an ice pick, like like as seen in our favorite movie, Basic Instinct, a totally unproblematic movie. I crush mine with my fist. Good. But like by squeezing, not oh, by pounding. Oh, okay. I like that. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're uh, like anyway. some sort of like like Yeti. 
I wonder how many times I've said anyway <laughs> to try to get us to the next point. <laughs> it's weird. What's what's holding you back? <laughs> Sweet cherries are native to a lot of places. Okay. And truly, uh, it seems like they're native to everywhere, like Europe, Western Asia, Northern Africa, uh, like the the area that is now called Turkey, Morocco, Tunisia, parts of Norway. I mean, uh, I feel a lot like there of, are like, a couple of continents you haven't mentioned yet. You're right. I guess I haven't mentioned South America and I haven't mentioned North America. Right. Or uh, Antarctica. I, uh, Antarctica. There right. we go. The fruit has become naturalized to North America and Australia. What does that mean exactly? That like um, it didn't it didn't grow there originally, but now it grows wild. Yeah, I think there? it means that it like grows wild without having to be cultivated. Which I think means it probably like escaped cultivation. Yeah. Like you do when you run away from a bag of cherries, it you just it escaped. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So so cherries ran ran away from us and now I'm sticking it back to them by running away from them. Way to go, man. So all parts of the plant, except the ripe fruit, are slightly toxic. Oh, and, I should um, probably stop gnawing on bark. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I think we we discussed this back in, you know, like maybe the peach or nectarine episode when we talked about like the little bit of like a cyanide type uh, compound right. in the pit. The same thing, I believe, is in a cherry pit, right? Sure. The fruit is a droop, and I need you to remind me again what a droop is. <laughs> a droop is okay. So there's like a like a big chunky uh, like encased seed in the middle, and some like uh, fleshy like one seed in the middle, and then some fleshy flesh clinging to it that typically like splits apart into two halves. So stone fruits are droops. stone fruits are droops, okay. and a, a cherry okay. is a stone fruit. It's just a little yeah. Here's a, a thing I found a little, I don't know, this just feels very British to me. Okay. So the sweet cherry was historically known as a geen, <laughs> G-E-A-N or gene. I've never or heard that word before gean. and I love it. Uh, it was also called a mazard, M-A-Z-Z-A-R-D. Okay. And until recently, both of these names were obsolete in modern English. But, but mazard, well, I know, okay. I know. That was my first reaction too. But mazard apparently is still sometimes used to refer to a particular like self-fertilizing cultivar that grows true from seed and is often used as a rootstock for grafting other types of cherry. Okay. I think this is probably a term that's used more often in the UK than here. It, it was linked especially to North Devon. Have you ever but, heard someone say it? No, but after I after I saw it, I encountered it in one other place that wasn't Wikipedia. Okay. So that's the the mazard is is used to refer to that like root the, stock. Like root variety. stock. Right. Okay. One. But yeah. do people have people started saying gean again? Because I, I love that. So. Like if, if sweet cherries were called geans and I could be like, I gotta, I gotta get down on some geans. I would be a lot more excited to eat them every summer. You should try it. I'm going to go bring it back in. Cherries are, are really old. Uh, I mean, as one might expect, given that they're native to a lot of places where humans have lived for a very long time. Okay. Cherry pits have been found in bronze, bronze age settlements throughout Europe. So dating back to roughly like 2100 BCE. Okay. And by 800 BCE, cherries were being actively cultivated in what is today Turkey and soon after that in Greece. When were the first slot machines? Uh, what I've heard is that they came about around the time of Christ. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do I call that? Do I call that? What do you call like the, the moment 
Is it like that where where BCE becomes CE? The, what do you call it? The birth of Christ. The I, gu- uh, I guess. So um, wait, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Silent night. Yeah, that's right. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got you can borrow appliances like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling you can borrow it no charge uh-huh so like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post meeting drink you can bring your pet you, totally allowed oh I love this oh I see they even have special pet items you yep. can use and they have the built-in alpha closet system nothing makes me happier <laughs> when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes mm-hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes nobody wants to see nobody, that nobody yeah so like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals I am down well this is made for you then and this is town place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I want to talk about different types of sweet cherries. But one thing I do want to say before we move away from like where they're, where they, you know, where they come from and stuff like that, I really found Abra's description of how to select sweet cherries to be useful and instructive. I don't know if it's anything new, but I, I liked what she wrote. So, quote, look for firm, even fruit. Avoiding any that have brown or blue mold around the stem or any cracks in the flesh of the fruit. Shut up, Matthew. (laughs) The skin should be bright, shiny, and taut. Ideally, the fruit will look like it is trying to burst through the skin. As it ages, the flesh loses moisture and the skin loosens. Wait, when you said the skin should be bright, shiny, and taut, I was like, this sounds like a pet food commercial. And then you said the other stuff. I was like, no, it no longer does. (laughs) If the flesh is trying to burst through the skin. (laughs) Yikes. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, your coat, your your dog has has such a healthy coat. And its flesh looks like it's trying to burst. Thanks, I think. <laughs> like, stay, please step away from my dog. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, no, but I liked that bit about like trying to burst through the skin if, if we're talking oh, yeah, about yeah. a cherry, uh-huh. right? Okay. But if it if if the fruit actually does burst through the skin, is that is that good? No. Okay. <laughs> no. No. So, uh, in fact, the first type of cherry that I want to talk about is a little bit persnickety <laughs> about being harvested if if there's been rain like right around harvest time it will have a tendency to to crack or split open and what is that cherry the 
first cherry I want to talk about is the Bing cherry. Okay. I feel like I'm going to learn a lot here because I've eaten a lot of Bings, but I don't know anything about them other than they're the red one. Yeah. No, I didn't know much about them either. Um, so it's the most produced variety of sweet cherry in the U.S. Sure. And it's a cultivar that originated in Milwaukee, Oregon. Okay. I didn't know that. I grew up like right next to Milwaukee, Oregon and went there all the time. Like I grew up in Selwood in uh, Southeast Portland, which is right next to Milwaukee. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is an old cherry. This So the Bing was created in 1875. Okay. And get this, uh, it was a cross between Black Republican and Royal Anne. Wow. <laughs> right? Uh, Royal Anne is also known as Napoleon. Okay. So Black Republican and Napoleon. I mean, that sounds like a, a really powerful mix. It it does. Yeah, the, the less the less said about which probably the better. <laughs> okay. It was created by a horticulturist named Seth Llewelling and his Chinese foreman Ah Bing. Okay. I didn't know this at all. Yeah, I didn't either. According to Wikipedia, Ah Bing was uh, was born in China and immigrated to the U.S. around 1855. And he worked as a foreman in the Llewelling family fruit orchards in Milwaukee for about 35 years, uh, supervised other workers, cared for the trees, etc. He went back to China in 1889 for a visit. And because of the restrictions um, imposed by the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, he was never able to return to the U.S., so apparently sources disagree uh, as to whether Ah Bing was himself responsible for developing the Bing cultivar or whether it was developed by Llewelling and named in Bing's honor. I didn't um, know any of this. But, that, yeah. That's amazing. Right? Right? Yeah. I really, I, I think that's a great story. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't know it was, that it was named for a person. I didn't know it was named for, for a Chinese American horticulturalist. And I didn't know it was developed like next door to where I grew up. Pretty cool. All right. So, uh, so anyway, it remains the major cultivar, of course, in Oregon, Washington, California, Wisconsin, and BC, maybe some other places too. I don't know. Um, and it's grown almost exclusively for the fresh market. So, mm -hmm. you know, not so much for like dried fruits or pie filling or whatever. They're large and they're dark and they ship really well, but they will crack open if they're exposed to rain near the harvest. So don't do so, that. Don't so expose don't them. Don't do that. Don't expose them. So, you know, I think being far and away, if you have had a dark red cherry in the U.S., Gotta chances be are it was a bang. So we'll, we'll talk about some other ones, If, though, if you've had some, a dark red gein, we should say. Gein, that's right. <laughs> That's right. What if it's pronounced Gene? It might be pronounced Gene. I don't know, but I prefer Gene yeah, because Gein. it sounds so bad. <laughs> there are many different. I mean, I want I want to say right up front here that from reading both Wikipedia and Nigel Slater, uh, there are so many different types of. Yeah, cherries. I'm hoping we get to a point where you just start listing off funny names. I'm going to go ahead and list some right okay. now. Okay. And I'll tell you if I happen to know where certain of them originated. So here are some types. Sunburst. Okay. Summer Sun, which originated in the UK. Stella, which originated in Canada. Okay. The Noir de Goubin. Goubin. <laughs> Burcombe, that originated in the UK. Napoleon yeah. in the UK. You would think that would have been a French one. I don't know. Uh, White, White Heart. Old Blackheart, <laughs> Merton Glory, and Celeste, pizza for one. So that, yeah, cherries for so the Celeste variety, instead of having like two cherries stuck together, it's just, <laughs> it's just one. one cherry. Yeah. yeah. And then I I didn't see this mentioned anywhere, but I've also in France had a type of cherry called Burla or spelled like B-U-R-L-A-T. 
Okay. Uh, and that was delicious, like a I dark red burlat. cherry. Burlat. But uh, anyway, I'm not going to go into detail on any of those, but I wanted to mention them because some of them, in particular Stella, one of the Canadian cherries, uh, is about to come up in the next cherry I want to talk about. Okay, which, let's, let's which talk I about the next cherry. the Pacific Northwest. So the next cherry is called a Lapin cherry, L-A-P-I-N. It's sometimes called a Cherokee cherry. I've never seen it called that, but I saw that from multiple sources. And it was created, uh, it's a hybrid of a Stella cultivar and a Van cultivar. And we'll talk about Van in just a minute. How do you cross a fruit with a Van? Uh, anyway, it was developed in BC <laughs> at the Summerland Research Station. Okay, our first and agricultural like, research station. Because it's called a station, I picture it like uh, like up in the sky, like like, like a, a space, space station. station. Yeah, I picture it as, as like a railroad depot. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, you got to pass through a lot of stations mm-hmm. to to get to where you're going, which is to a Lapin Cherry. Yeah, and at every station they put they bring up your list of pros and cons and start haranguing you about your fruit fruit. Uh, offenses. That's right. That's right. This cherry was first released in 1983. So it's kind of wild oh, to think about. Okay. I mean, the Bing was created like a hundred years before some but of these other But this was like during our lifetime. That's right. The Lapin cherry was created during our lifetimes. It's a variety that was developed by this Latvian agronomist who was working in Canada. Uh, and his last name was Lapin's. Okay. Uh, and he was best known for his work in the development of self-fertilizing. Did anyone check whether he was actually a bunch of rabbits in a trench coat? <laughs> I bet he was. Yeah. He was so furry. <laughs> um, the anyway. furriest agronomist and other stories <laughs> by me, Chekhov. <laughs> uh, so cherries, I think wild cherries are not self-fertilizing. And so it's been a big deal in the world of like, uh, would you say horticulture or agronomy? I don't know what, but it's been a big deal <laughs> I, yeah, in, I would say those in those worlds to develop self-fertilizing types of cherries. Because when they self-fertilize, like it produces like the same thing in the next generation, right? Is that, that the idea? That's right. Well, and, eh. I mean, I think that's just called like producing like true from from seed. Yeah. I mean, because it's still like self-fertilization is still, it's still sexual reproduction. So you're still going to get more variety than you want probably, right? Probably. I, I don't really yeah, know, I don't Matthew. Either. So anyway, uh, Mr. or Dr. Lappins, Mr. Rabbits, um, whatever, was mm-hmm. known for his work in the development of self-fertilizing cherries. These fruits... I'd be curious to see these side by side with a Bing because they're described as being dark red as well. well I'm going to Googling is it up right now. But they ripen about two weeks later than Bing. They're a later ripening. Wow, this looks really cherry. similar. Yeah. Okay. I want to move on now and I, I want to talk about the the Van cherry. Okay. Which actually I should have talked about before Lapin so that we could like, you know, build on our How knowledge here. Van was developed in BC, also at the Summerland Research Station. And it originated from an open pollination of an empress Eugenie tree. Nice. Okay, this mm-hmm. this one lo- does look different. It's it's like mu- a a much lighter flesh. Ah, interesting. Okay. Well, so this cross was introduced in 1944, and it was named after a horticulturist named J.R. Van Harlan. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it has dark red flesh and black skin. Is that true with what mm, you're seeing there for the van? I mean, the the photo that I'm looking at here, the the skin is is dark red, but the but the flesh is kind of like like 
peachy color. Oh, okay. Well, this is going to be really interesting when we talk about the next one. Okay, okay? we got to get to this next cherry because it is a hot cherry. Okay, so this next one we're going to talk about is the Rainier cherry. (laughs) Okay, so this one was developed at Washington State University uh, in 1952 by a guy named Harold Fogel. Okay. And of course, he named it after Mount Rainier. It is a cross between a Bing and a van. All right. So uh, what I find interesting about this is like, so it's interesting to know that the van has a lighter flesh color, but both of these parent varieties have dark skin. But the Rainier cherry is known for, for its like, you know, blushy light hue. Yeah, it's known for being kind of uh, yellow with like reddish and pinkish tones. Yeah. Um, And these are these are like a favorite cherry among Seattleites, I feel. like. Oh, yeah. Rainier cherries are especially celebrated here. Interestingly enough, Matthew, the standard rootstock for a Rainier is the Mazard cherry. That is so interesting. Isn't that so interesting? The tree, uh, a Rainier cherry tree, is one of the most uh, cold hardy of the sweet cherries. Okay. But the fruit, uh, the fruit seems really delicate to me. Uh, Yeah. Like it not as delicate as like a sour cherry, but yes. That's true. But also, like, you you are really rough with your fruits. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. I like it rough. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I've seen you, like, drop a hammer on a on a bag of cherries. Well, I squeeze it with my fist the way I crush the ice. The way you crush ice. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, you've got, you've got the Yeti in you. <laughs> I do. I do. Wikipedia says that the Rainier is considered a premium cherry. Oh, yeah. I feel, I feel like they're usually cost, like, a dollar more per pound than the bings at the farmer's market. I wonder if this is just because they are a little bit more delicate, which I also think is because the flesh is more watery than other sweet cherries. Yeah, but I think I think that's probably part of it, but also I think people like them. <laughs> that's true. So they can just charge more for them. Yeah. And I, I guess, so there are lots of, of types of cherries that we're not going to talk about specifically. That no, we should pale, talk about all like the a Rainier. types. But apparently the Rainier is particularly sweet for a pale cherry. It seems like it, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so that's a cross between a Bing and a Van. A Bing and a Van. A Bing and a Van. And the last one I want to talk about is one that I've seen in farmer's markets in recent years. Maybe you have too. It is the Sweetheart Cherry. Doesn't ring a bell, but I believe you. Okay, well, it. I think of this one as having a brighter red skin than the Bing or okay. the Van. But it's, it's still not as bright as, it's not the kind of bright of like a sour cherry, but it's a more, it's a truer red. The Sweetheart Cherry was developed in BC in Summerland, but not at the Summerland Research Center <laughs> or Research Station. Yeah. Like some, some this, people in, in uh, BC are doing their own research. That's right. That's right. This was developed at the Pacific Agri-Food Research Center. Wow. Yeah. B- and BC is really like a like an agricultural research powerhouse, isn't it? it this episode is cherries. sponsored by the BC Agriculture Board. <laughs> Please <laughs> pay for us to go to BC. Yeah. BC Agriculture. Remember when they Board? were going to send us like all over Canada? God, that was going to be so great. Yeah. That was an that was an advertising opportunity that didn't Did come not through. pan out. Anyway, uh, the sweetheart was uh, the sweetheart is a hybrid of the of Van and New Star. And it was released in 1994. Oh, okay. And uh, it's a very late season cherry. It ripens like three weeks after Bing. Yeah, 1994 is when I first met wife of the show, Lori. Oh my gosh. Unless well, you count the, the she's time. She's a real sweetheart. Yeah. 
Unless you have the time we there? met at a uh, at a spelling bee when we were kids. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, God, I love it. Okay, well, uh, moving right along, Matthew. Yes. Have you ever eaten like one of those like historic cherry desserts, like Cherry's Jubilee? No. Or- and I want to, I want to do another episode where we have to flambe something. Like mm. one, one of my fondest memories is the, is the time we ate Bananas Foster together and we like, we kindled a flame and then it was way yeah. tastier than we expected. Let's make Cherry's Jubilee. Let's do it. So I'm not going to talk anymore about Cherry's Jubilee. Because we'll do a whole we're episode we're going to talk about it. it in the episode we do. We'll do, we'll do an episode where we do Cherry's Jubilee and like, like, crepe Suzette. Is that flaming? I think it is. Sure. P- Peach sure. Melba, yeah. is that flaming? I don't know. I'm just saying old dessert names. What about cherry clafouti? Have you made I have it? made this. Have yes. It? I've more often made a blueberry clafouti, but I have made sweet cherry. How about you? I have made uh, several clafouti over the years. Apricot. I've made a plum clafouti. I've made a pear clafouti. And I have never made a cherry clafouti because, again, I don't like the flavor of cooked right. cherries. I, I have heard, I think I maybe read this in a John Thorne essay, that like if you're in France, like people will say that you have to leave the pits in when you make a yes. cherry clafouti. Is this true? Yes. Yes. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't I don't like the thought of that. Nigel Slater had a little thing about this too. He was like, he said that some people also insist upon leaving the pits in a cherry pie. And I was like, what kind of nonsense is that? Yeah, some some like like sadistic problematic people. Yeah. Can you imagine if someone brought you a pie and had pits (laughs) in it? I I mean, I can can you even imagine how much work it would be to eat that? Yeah. Wow. That's that's like, you know, if you're if you move into the neighborhood and your neighbor brings you a pit pie, like you need to leave immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's a sign. It's a sign. Matthew. So wh- what do you do with cherries or when you buy them, which I know you don't, uh, which type are you more inclined to buy? I'm more inclined to buy the the Rainier and I'll just eat them straight and then I'll get bored with them and then like hope someone else in the family eats the rest. OK. Cool. I don't hate fruit like as much as your spouse does, but I'm not a big fruit person. Yeah, I'm a big fruit person yeah. and my my kid is a big fruit person. I've had a bag of Rainier's in the fridge uh, for a while. I can't remember where I bought <laughs> them, but long. they're really good. Uh, well, I, actually, what's notable is that they kind of got pushed to the back of the fridge and I forgot about them for like five days and they were still totally fine. Yeah, they do. They refrigerate really well. June has been really enjoying just opening the fridge every now and then and taking out a handful of cherries and Nice. Eating them and and that makes me feel like I I am giving my child a good childhood again when like there's nothing more satisfying in the world of uh, like food aesthetics than holding like a pair of cherries that are attached by the stem. I mean, I can think of some things, but uh, this nope, episode that's, that's the best one. And this okay. this is a cherry episode. Yeah, this is a cherry episode. Matthew, there is one thing from Abra's book yeah. that I do want to try making. It is it's on page one ninety eight of Pulp. It is a chocolate pudding with coffee-soaked black cherries. Mm. And so you make like a coffee, like simple syrup. I'm just really interested because I do like cherries and chocolate, and I like coffee and chocolate, and I'm intrigued by the cherries and the chocolate. Yeah, I would. if you make this, I'll try it. I'm skeptical of it, but I bet it's good. I'm going to show you the picture because okay. it, it, it looks really good. Yeah, that looks pretty good. Okay. Right? Okay. All right. I'm, are you making it today? No, okay. I, I'm not. Matthew, do we have any segments? Do we? Yes. Uh, this segment is called Spilled Mail.
And I want to preface this, preface this by saying I don't really have an answer to this question, but I just wanted to read the story because it's a good story that I have a feeling listener Grace has told before because she tells it very well. But let's dive okay. in. Okay. Dear Matthew and Molly, are there any eating habits that drive you nuts or give you the ick? I went on a string of dates with a celebrity who turned out to be a real jerk. Part of the allure was going out to restaurants where he was recognized, but I should have known after he ordered himself two cocktails at once and all the desserts on the menu that it wouldn't end well. Actually, I should have known when he described his favorite cuisine as, quote, kid food, but I was too entranced to heed the signs. Our final date was supposed to be cooking together, which turned out to be him watching me cook while he sulked on his phone and ate an entire container of unwashed sugar snap peas without removing the stringy parts. As we sat down to eat, he asked, so what do we have here? As if he was Alex Guardaschelli and I was some sweaty chopped contestant seeking national recognition. But the real kiss of death was later in the meal when a mid-conversation and without breaking eye contact, he reached his hand across the table and into the salad bowl and took a fistful of dressed lettuce back to his plate. It is this mental image that prompted me to finally break things off. Now, if I see him on a billboard, I just picture his pale stubby fingered hand making its deliberate mechanical journey into that salad bowl and I'm suddenly resolute and determined never to speak to him again. Sincerely, your loyal listener since 2014, Grace. Oh my God, Grace, I really want to know which celebrity this is. I promise I won't tell anybody. Okay, so the question is like, are there any food habits such as eating salad with your hand? That give you the ick. Well, so I want I want to be clear about yeah, this yeah. here, which is that a, a lot of chefs do I know kind of like eat salad leaves with their fingers. Sure, especially yeah, if I it's don't like I a don't whole, think there's anything particularly like a, wrong with that. And like like eating food with your hands is great, but reaching into a shared bowl right. of food with your bare hand is not cool. Right. No, this this man is a monster. Um, I feel comfortable saying yeah, that. Yeah, I don't really have any that I've like, like nothing, nothing certainly that uh, that like stands up to that story. I'm trying to think. Um, I have a friend who who like spits cherry pits out the window and she's on a road trip. Oh yeah, I hate, I, God, <laughs> what a monster. And, and sticks her leg out the window. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to think here. Mom. I I feel like we can just leave it at at this great story from listener Grace. We don't have to we okay. don't have to come let's up leave, with we don't have to put anyone as, on blast for their eating let's habits. Let's leave it as a yeah. great story. Okay. Okay. Molly, do you have a now but wow? I do. So, Matthew, I thought long and hard about whether to use this one this week uh, because I think I've mentioned this writer before, Hanif Abdurraqib, who has written very memorably about food, about American culture, Black American culture. He's also a poet. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I wanted to mention him this week is that he was on All Things Considered recently. Uh, I believe it was July 23rd. I don't even know what the occasion was of his being on the show. I don't think he has a new book out. Maybe he does. Who knows? The conversation that he wound up having with the interviewer wound up being about depression and suicidal ideation and grief. So consider this a content warning. However, it was so uplifting and lovely. And I think such a really important and heartfelt and really lovely. I I know I keep saying lovely, but it was just a really meaningful conversation. And I felt really privileged to like, like we get to hear it. 
Uh, go check it out. We'll link to it in the show notes, but it was on All Things Considered, July 23rd, 2023. Lovely, lovely thoughts about grief as a, a spiritual practice and as a part of everyday life. I have read uh, Hanif Abdurraqib's book, They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us, which is a collection of essays about music. Very good. And he also wrote which, uh, what I've heard is a great book about a tribe called Quest which I haven't read. Which one is that? That's not... Uh, Go Ahead in the Rain. Okay. And I think there's another one called A Little Devil in America and something else. All right. So check check out all the Hanif Abdurraqib. Our producer is Abby Circatella. You can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And you can check in with other listeners at everythingspilledmilk.reddit.com. Indeed. Matthew, let's thank everybody for listening to the show. Let's, let's thank everybody for listening to the show. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you I'd for, like to thank uh, you for and aiding you. and abetting all of our uh, fruit-related atrocities. Thank you and you and you. And you and also you there with the headphones i'm talking to you thank you i'm matthew amster burton i'm molly weisenberg well i had some fun doing research oh yeah i can tell no I, i'm excited to talk about it mm-hmm. i'm matthew uh, <laughs> i'm still chewing my lunch i'm molly let's do that again or abby will be upset Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 